You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. How are we doing today? Yeah. You're pretty excited. You're freaking me out. All right. So uh, anyway, we've been in this series, in case you're new. Um, and I know that some of you are not new. You've been naughty and you've been skipping church for a couple of weeks. But that's okay, because I'll get you up to speed uh, in this get a can I get a witness deal. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we watched this Seinfeld clip in church, and it was that episode, you know, where Elaine finds out that David Putty is a Christian, right? Her boyfriend, David Putty. And she says, is it a problem for you that I'm not a Christian? He says, well, it's not a problem for me. I'm not the one going to hell, right? And then she says, well, I'm not going to hell, but if I was going to hell, you should care that I'm going to hell. And that was her way of saying, if I was going to hell, you should try and do something about it. You should try and convert me, you know? And I understand that a lot of people in our culture today say that you shouldn't be trying to proselytize or convert people, but we're just very upfront about about the fact that we are trying to convert you. We're trying to convert people to believe in Jesus Christ. And I think if we're all honest, we're all trying to convert people to something, right? Whether it's Ford Chevy or Android Apple phone, we're all trying to convert people to something. In fact, Humby has been trying to convert me uh, to be a fan of that show, The Walking Dead, right? Well, after binge watching five seasons of it, I'm thinking about it, okay? <laughs> thinking about it, but that's called being a witness, and we get this idea of being a witness in Acts 1.8, and I'll show you that text if you want to pull it up on your phone and look it on the screen or whatever. Um, That's where the Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my, say it, witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so these witnesses, the, the word for witnesses there is a fascinating Greek word. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and it's the word martyrus, which is the word from which we get the word martyrs. And so these early witnesses of Christ were people that weren't just people that talked about it. These were people that are willing to lay down their lives for the truth of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so um, I believe that if I look... Um, as I look at Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, that the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the earth looking for one man or one woman who's willing to completely lay it out there for Christ and be willing to share the gospel with others. Now, last week in our Get a Witness series, we saw that this isn't something that we believe just because uh, our mom and dad told us to believe it or because some priest or preacher told us to believe these things, but it's based on valid reasons. So we last week we said... Faith is a solid step, not a flying leap, right? And last week, we spent the whole teaching time just talking about some of the many different proofs for the faith. And so one of the things that we looked at was Bible prophecy and all those predictions that are in the Bible that have been fulfilled could not just be a coincidence. And then we looked at the quote from the great French mathematician, philosopher, and scientist Blaise Pascal who said, there is enough evidence for the Christian faith to convince anyone who is not set against it, but there's not enough evidence to bring anyone into God's kingdom who will not come. Now, this week, we've looked at proofs already. We've, we've looked at the idea of what a, a witness is, but this week, um, we're kind of answer a question that I get asked quite often. Uh, people will come to me in the church and say, you know, Pastor Doug, um, I, I've got this friend, I've got this relative that's open-minded to the gospel and wants to consider this, Right. Can you just talk to them? Here, here's my phone. I'll just call them. You talk, right? Eh, Wrong answer. The idea of this is that you would be equipped and trained and know what to say. 
Um, a, another side idea of this is I understand some of you aren't Christians and you're coming here, you're scoping out Christians in their natural habitat. Well, I want you to know fully what we're up to and what we're doing. And you may learn from this something about God as well. And there's this famous quote attributed to St. Francis of Assisi on how to spread the message of God's word. And the quote goes something like this, perhaps you've heard it. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary use words. How many of you have heard this? Just show me a hand real quick. A bunch of us have heard this, right? And uh, what's not to like about St. Francis? Well, um, here's, here's the thing about this, this particular quote. I mean, hey, we love it because it says, show it with your actions, not just your words, right? Because we're all kind of fed up with those people that preach a lot and they do something completely different, right? And I love St. Francis, by the way. I was born in St. Francis Hospital. I mean, St. Francis is the saint that's kind of known for being an animal lover, and I love animals too, so I kind of feel like Nacho Libre when I think about him. You know, it's like, you love poopies? I love poopies. You know, this is what I think about uh, St. Francis. But here's the, here's the little problem with the, the quote here, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Um, the, the main problem with it is, is he didn't say it. Um, in fact, the best scholars who look back at history, of course, you don't find this quote in any of St. Francis' uh, writings. You don't find it attributed to him by any of his direct students here. And so not only did he not say it, but he spread the gospel through a different means. He spread the message of Christ through his lifestyle and through speaking it, his words so that's why I'd like to submit this one idea to you today, and that is speak the gospel with your life and your words. Speak the gospel with your life and your words. It's not either or. It's not either your life or your words. It's the genius of the and. It's both combined together. And Jesus modeled this for us when he helped convert or change or proselytize, some would say, this guy who was a demon-possessed man. Now, I know that's odd to us to think about today, and I'm sure it was even odd at that time. This guy was filled with, uh, the Bible says, a legion or a whole lot of demons, and it was kind of a weird scenario. I mean, the guy was uh, running around naked, freaking people out, this kind of thing, as, as you can imagine. And when Jesus walks by, he helps the guy get free of these things, and now all of a sudden the guy's standing there, uh, he's clothed, he's in his right mind. I mean, everything's good and chill with this guy. And he says to Jesus, hey, I want to go with you and your disciples. Can I get in the boat and go with you? And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, dude needs recovery, okay? Get the guy. I mean, he's got some wounds, evidently. I mean, he had all these demons all over him, freaking people out, running around naked. Get him in the boat, working through the steps, talk to him, minister to him, help him for a long time. And Jesus says, no, wrong answer. And I want to show you what Jesus said instructing this guy in Mark 5:19. He says to the guy, you ain't coming with us. Go home to your family and do what? Tell. Tell how much the Lord has done for you and how good he's been to you. And then Paul mirrors this idea when he writes to the Romans in chapter 10, verse 14 of that book. He says, how can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone does what? Tells them. So you think maybe we ought to speak something about the gospel as well as living it out. I think it's a cop-out to say I'm just going to try and live it and everybody will figure it out just through my lifestyle. There was one uh, Christian guy who just wanted to be an example in his office, and he thought that uh, his good Christian example in the office, in the workplace, would convince everyone to become a Christian. And he lived out 
this really great life in front of him. And then the day came when one of his coworkers came to him and said, hey man, your life is totally different. I mean, I'm so impressed by your lifestyle. And then the guy asked him the question, are you a Buddhist? You see what we're getting at here? You live the gospel and you speak the gospel. You speak the gospel through your lifestyle and your words. And so what I'm asking you to consider today is to communicate and spread the word about Christ through your story and through God's story, through your personal story or testimonial of how he's come into your life and communicating his story. Now, there are four stages to your story, uh, what some people call your testimonial. And if don't worry about writing all this down. We'll post it today on our uh, City Church Downtown Facebook page in case you'd like to get it. But uh, stage one is your life before. Um, what was your life like before you came to faith in Christ? And many of us um, can remember the despair and the loneliness and um, the, the sense of meaninglessness before we came to faith in Christ. Now, when you talk about uh, your story and your life before Christ, don't over-traumatize it. Um, because I know that sometimes in church or at Christian gatherings, you'll see these uh, glory stories of people who were in the gutter and um, you know, strung out on heroin or something, and then they came to faith in Christ, and they talk about their life before Christ, and it's really, uh, you know, this, this really sensationalized kind of thing. And that is the case with many people in our church. Um, however, there are a lot of kids, a lot of people that just prayed to receive Christ as a child, and it wasn't like they were living their life in the gutter or anything. It's like, hey, man, when I was in kindergarten, I stiffed a marker, you know, led to cocaine. I mean, don't over-dramatize it, okay? Just... Uh, tell the truth about your life, but then number two, how I realized my need for Christ. Describe the series of events that uh, led up to your becoming interested in the gospel. I mean, how did that play out for you? And then number three is when I accepted Christ. You know, uh, I sometimes cringe when I hear people say, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. Um, you, you were born at one point, uh, and you were born again according to John 3, and so uh, you may not remember the exact day and time and moment when you uh, crossed over into uh, uh, life with Christ, but there was a time, and so the best you can, try and think back to when that took place for you. And then number four, talk about the changes, the changes, the ways that Christ has changed your life since you've believed in him. And you kind of have to be realistic about those changes because we're all on the journey, aren't we? And I know some people that like to say, man, I've been changed by Christ and man, I am so different. I mean, uh, I am just such a great person now. I mean, uh, my life now, I mean, I, I make Mother Teresa feel like a prostitute. I mean, that's how good I am, right? We don't want to say this kind of thing, right? We want to be uh, realistic about um, our lives and the journey that we're on in Christ. Um, but after we've shared our story, and these are the four components of it, we're ready to uh, talk about where God's story intersects with our story, you know, and his story is the, port the important part of it. And when you're telling God's story, I think it's important to be clear and simple. And I got this idea from Paul in Colossians 4.4 where he said, pray that I might, might proclaim it, what's that next word? Clearly. As I should. And I got to make a pastoral confession for pastors everywhere. Pastors sometimes try and explain things in a more complicated way than what's necessary to puff themselves up and make everyone think that we're smart. Um, but I think that when you have a friend or a loved one uh, on the verge of eternity, you need to make it clear. You know, 
they don't need to come away from that conversation thinking how smart you are. They, they need to come away from that conversation understanding. You know what I mean? So if, like, if you see someone that you love standing in the street and a bus is about to hit them, you're not going to try and impress them with your vocabulary, are you? You're not going to say a combustion-propelled transit vehicle is proceeding in your direction at a high velocity. You're going to say, dude, get out of the way. There's a bus. Okay? Move. And that's, I think, the mindset that we need to have when we are communicating the truth of the gospel. And, I'm, you know, there are many different methods with which you can use or diagrams, uh, visuals that you can use to communicate communicate the gospel, but one that has been very helpful for me is what we call the bridge illustration. It's so simple, you can draw it on a napkin, and so we brought a picture of it today, and I've, I've used this diagram to explain God's story simply to people, uh, like one of my friends prayed to receive Christ because of this, and a, a, sitting in his Trans Am, in the front seat of his Trans Am, you know those ones that had like the big bird on the hood, you know, uh, then another time went in a coffee shop over Thai food, uh, over... Uh, uh, all kinds of different meals, just talking to people. This illustration has been very helpful, but one of the ones that comes to my mind was when I was in Chicago on this business trip, and uh, uh, I had this prompting from God that I was supposed to share this with a group of managers and to be a witness, and I thought, God, that's not a good idea because I don't want to lose my job. You know how it is, um, and everybody was tense that week because one of our big bosses from corporate headquarters was there, and he'd fired six people, and so I'm thinking, okay, there's a day that I get fired because uh, God's going to make me be a witness today, <laughs> and so I go in there. I, I, I write this diagram on the marker board, right? And I'm explaining to this group of managers from all over the country that, you know, there's this great chasm between humans and God, and the chasm is our sin. It creates a separation from us and God. But Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and that creates this bridge between us. And the way I brought it up is I said there's this Harvard Business School case study um, on a church in the greater Chicagoland area. Um, and part of their success is that they have this one simple message, and that's the way I describe it. I step back thinking, okay, now just kill me, like Donald Trump me, you're fired. Uh, but he didn't. He clapped, and then all the other kiss-ups in the room who were trying to kiss up to him had to clap too because he did, right? And what this led to was um, conversations in offices over the next couple of years of my tenure at that company with the managers that were in the room and I think that um, when we share this, one of the greatest privileges of our lives is when we get to take someone by the hand through prayer and walk them gently across the line of faith to come to know Christ. Is there anything better? I know this judge in town, and part of his role is to help families adopt children, and he experiences a lot of joy from that, and there's no more joy than when you walk someone across the line of faith. And you can do it through a simple prayer. There's no magical prayer in the Bible that you have to utter, but here's the way uh, we do it here a lot as we walk people across the line of faith. We lead people to pray, God, I know I've sinned, you know, because we all have to recognize our need for God, don't we? If we don't think we need him, then how can we come into relationship with him? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you know, one of the biggest temptations for me as a pastor, speaking publicly to you today about the gospel and also privately when I'm sitting down with someone at a coffee shop or wherever talking about this is to go soft on people, you know, because you don't want to be that guy that is like the bullhorn preacher guy or 
Um, you don't want to be that person that's too pushy. And so the temptation for me, I want people to like me and all that. And so I, I sometimes am tempted to go soft on people. And that was certainly the case uh, when I engaged in spiritual conversations with a young woman uh, via email. Her name is Sarah, and I'm going to read to you uh, what she sent to me via email. She says, I don't want to live anymore. And it's not like this is just a whim or a phase. Life is very hard. And I had enough pills to take them and go to sleep forever. People that have died that way, it's just like they go to sleep and they don't wake up. Everything was set for that to happen until Sarah's Christian friend entered into the picture and was able to get Sarah to give her the pills to keep for a time so she could think through this decision. Well, back to the email, speaking of her Christian friend, Sarah said, she doesn't seem to understand how bad and rotten I really am. She thinks I'm nice. Yeah, right, I'm rotten both inside and out, filthy inside and out. No matter how many times I take a shower, it doesn't go away. And then again, speaking of her Christian friend, she says, she is God's child. She listens to him a lot, and she really does love people because of him, I think. But I am the devil's child. I was born that way. That is why I got hurt so much and so badly. She's referring there to the abuse that she went through as a child. Because I'm the devil's child, hell is where I'm going because hell is where the devil's children all go. Well, these emails led to a face-to-face -face conversation with Sarah and her Christian friend, and as we all sat down together, um, you know, I, I wanted to go soft on Sarah because of all the pain that she had been through in the past. And certainly it was not her fault that she was abused, right? That was sin against her. That was not her sin, but it made her feel guilty. But I had to agree with Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, you are the devil's child. And the reason you are is because of John 3.18, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God. And that's uncomfortable for us to think about, isn't it? But then I quickly moved towards another truth of John 1.12. See, if it's true that we're all condemned without Christ, it's also true what John 1.12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Say it children of God. So no one needs to stay the devil's child, right? If you want to word it that way. We can believe him and receive him and become children of God. And so next I led her in this prayer. She, would want, she couldn't deny that, hey, if one of these things is true, the other has to be true as well. And so she prayed, God, I know I've sinned. And by the way, I was clear with her that she had not sinned by being abused. That was a sin against her. But she said, God, I know I've sinned. And in the second part of the prayer, she said, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for my sin. And when we looked up from that prayer, she smiled. And some days later, I got an, another email from Sarah, and here's what it said. It's all very strange. I feel very different. I had like this picture mentally that the chains that were around my life, like the ones I was tied up with sometimes when they hurt me, God took those chains off and chained up the lies about what they told me. I don't have the chains uh, anymore, and God chained up all the lies so he can tell me the truth. It's, very, it's a very real picture. I can't explain it. Thank you very much for showing me what the truth was. Don't worry about the medicine. I don't need it anymore. And the way she signed off on this email 
was what kind of got to me. She said, forever a child of God, Sarah. Yeah, that's good. And here's what we have to let land on us is that there are a lot of Sarahs out there. There are Sarahs in this room today. And there are Sarahs in our lives that need us to be witnesses and be willing to put ourselves out there and have those conversations. And I'm asking you to allow God to give you a burden, um, compassion. I'm asking you to care about the people in your life that, that need Christ. And he's placed you there. And then I'm asking you to be willing to tell your story and God's story. Hopefully you can use the little drawing that I showed you on a napkin and work through your story and explain God's story in a very simple way. But here's where the rubber's gonna meet the road. I wanna ask you to do something for me. If you'd pull out your phones real quick. I know that you've been trained to keep your phones in your pocket or your purse during church, but I wanna ask you to bring them out right now. And everybody who has a phone, everybody got a phone? Okay, don't mess with me on this. Pull out those phones, okay? Okay, I know some of you are like, well, I'm pulling my phone, phone past Okay, you're not gonna get in trouble. But most of you have text messaging on your phone, right? Okay, unless you're like my mom and she doesn't know how to use it, right? Okay, but uh, most of you know how to use it. And what I'm gonna ask you to do right now is text message someone that you know that you need to have spiritual conversation with. And don't text them some big long sermon, just plan the meetup. Say, hey, can we have dinner tonight? Can we have coffee tomorrow? Can we have lunch this week? Because I've got something I want to talk to you about. Sound cool? Go ahead and text them right, right now. Don't wait. One of these days is none of these days unless you do it today. Because you know you'll get out of church. You totally forget my sermons, and I'm totally offended by that. But you do. You forget. If you don't do it right now, you're going to forget. And so keep texting right now as I tell you about my friend Zach, who was singing up here earlier, and Zach Scoggins uh, was engaged in spiritual conversation like the ones that you're going to have. At the same time, he was involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, which we love here at City Church, and he, Zach loves AA and the insights that he gained from it, but what he realized is, is there's something that was missing in his recovery process, and that came out in his story as he was engaged in spiritual conversation. So as you're texting, continue to text and look at his story. Do a little mental multitasking by way of video. Thanks. One day, I was sitting on, uh, sitting on my bed and I felt a, like, a faint knocking in my heart and it was uh, Jesus asking to, to come seek. To, to find out why it was he actually came to earth. The weird thing is, is I was always really cool with God, you know, from the, from, you know, I was raised Catholic, and so from the get-go, I was always really, really uh, cool with God. But Jesus in my book was just a dude, you know, and, and so it was just, it was hard for me to believe in a, in a dude. I couldn't ignore the fact that he was knocking on my heart and asking me to come and seek and find out why he came to earth. And so I started seeking. You know, there was a guy that I worked with and I always heard him talking about Jesus and the Bible and God and everything. Didn't even really know the guy, but something told me to ask him. And so I went and asked him, you know, will you teach me about Jesus? And he was like, yes, I'll teach you about Jesus. And so, uh, you know, he told me to get a Bible and I was really kind of reluctant 
I was like, no, I don't, I don't, you just teach me about Jesus. I don't want to have to read about him. And he was like, no, get a Bible. God told me to tell you to get a Bible. Go from Philippians to John. And uh, so I did. And I started to, st started to seek and I started to understand uh, the importance of Christ. I was in a band and gave up all control of that to God. One of our last shows was in San Antonio and I knew Ray. And at the last show, Ray said, uh, Hey man, you want to go to uh, church with me tomorrow? And something inside said, go. And he had been telling me about the church house for broken, jacked up people like myself. And I went and I remember just sitting there and you know, God came and he told me, he's like, I need you in San Antonio. And so I moved here. If I didn't have those conversations with uh, the guy that I worked with or Ray, I would probably still be in Denton, Texas. I would have found another band to play with. I'd probably still be working at the restaurant I was working at in Dallas. You know, that, that was just it. It was like, I had every reason to stay in Denton. You know, I had two good jobs making like 50 grand a year. I had a band that was really awesome. My family was there, my Alcoholics Anonymous family was there. And I had every reason in the world to stay there. But because I stepped out and, and had those uncomfortable conversations, and then they were there to provide answers uh, willingly, like openly willingly. It shot me into this new, this new way of life, which is just amazing. So as we think about that story and our stories, I want to take you back just a minute to Acts 1-8, where the Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, right? To tell people about me everywhere. And so that's why we carved out some time in this service to pray for the filling of the Spirit to come upon us so that we can be witnesses. And here's the way that this is going to go down. We're going to invite you to come and kneel at the front for prayer. We do that quite often here. And then as you come and kneel, Zach agreed to come out. and He's going to pray for some, and I'm going to pray for others on this side of the room. If you come and kneel, we're just going to put our hand on your shoulder and pray that the power of the Spirit would fill you and overflow out of you so that you can be as witnesses. So if you're comfortable to do so, come and kneel and pray. Father, you're just so over the top good to us. It's like amazing to be your child, great to be your kids. And Father, I can't help but think that in the midst of these prayers that maybe there was someone kind of coming today to just to scope out some Christians, somehow just senses you're drying. And I know a lot of this was directed at Christian people to share their faith, but I know that some here are going to gain faith today. And if that's you, you don't even have to say it out loud. You just believe in your heart. You know that prayer that we showed earlier? Just pray that right now in your own heart and mind. God will read your thoughts. Something like this is, God, I know I've sinned. And I need you. But right now, God, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I welcome you into my life. Father, what an incredible privilege it is to be a part of those significant moments as children are adopted into your family. Wow, we just celebrate it. We know that the angels are just going off partying <laughs> because new kids are in the kingdom. Thank you for your grace to us and the way you've been so kind. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, Amen.
Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.